0: Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alderson, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call. It's 291-6901. And you use the area code 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental
1: United States this morning.
0: There you go. We sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing folks all around the country and all around town. Even all around the world. There you go. Depending <laughs> you on what so time zone inclined, you want that's to get a, right. wake up in. Give us a call two nine one sixty nine zero one. Put you right straight on the top of the list. Before we start getting a bunch of calls, and you be at the bottom of the list. <laughs> <laughs> you know, today sitting here just kind of thinking about topics and uh-huh. stuff for the show. And of course, I think the the big topic in most parts of the country is the heat. Sure, the, the temperature is it uh, definitely. Unseasonably warm yeah. just about everywhere.
1: I saw on the Weather Channel this morning it was going to be 114 in Phoenix. Wow. Yeah. They <laughs> we were forecasting 103 in New Orleans. It's
0: just yeah. going to be a warm day. I tell you what, I got up yesterday morning. We walked over to the Marony to get something to eat. I mean, it was just stifling. It, oh, yeah. I had on a pair of shorts and a linen shirt, but it was still just very, very hot. And then the clouds came over and it cooled down considerably. Yeah. amazing with a little bit of rain and clouds can do <laughs> <laughs> depending on what happens afterwards well that's right but it cooled off a good bit it yeah it got tolerable after that still it is very 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 hot and of course heat has effects on cars sure. it does a number of ills to a car one of the things that i can think of that folks don't maybe always associate with the heat but what happens with a battery is we get a lot of cars in and we do general inspections, and we tell them, well, your battery fails the load test. Uh-huh. And they said, well, what does that mean? I said, well, it means it's going to die very soon, probably within the next two weeks to a month, your battery's going to be dead. It's going to leave you stranded. Sure. Well, it cranks the car just fine. I said, well, that is true, but it's operating at about 75% of its capacity. And what's happening, because a battery is a chemical reaction, if you can remember back from your high school or college chemistry courses, Whenever you add heat to a reaction, you accelerate it. You're going to accelerate it. So Uh a battery that is operating at, say, 70% of capacity, a battery is basically designed to operate around 75 to 80 degrees. That's the design temperature for it. Well, under the hood of that car, it might be 120 to 130 degrees. Easy. So what's happening is that this battery, though it is at 70% capacity, is now operating at close to 100% because of the temperature. In other words, the heat has sped up the reaction, and the battery is still holding its own. Now, Mm -hmm. people will say, well, if it's holding its own, why worry about it? Well, this is the kicker. On the very first cool day, come September, and the temperature is cool. Right. Click, 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 click.
1: (laughs) That battery is dead. You
0: got a dead battery. And a lot of times people will say, well, the cold killed my battery. No, no, the heat killed your battery. It was just covering it up until the cold revealed the problem correct and a lot of things are that way and the only reason that you really i guess would be concerned with this sort of thing is that number one it is very inconvenient to have a dead battery sure depending on where you're at i mean if you're at home it's still inconvenient
1: but that's right it's not as near as inconvenient as if you're on a parking lot in a hundred degree weather well, and
0: that's the battery right dies and you, you're there alone your wife goes to the mall and everything's fine she comes out and the car won't start right well, aside from being dangerous in this day and age, could very well be a dangerous situation, at very least she's gonna have to call somebody, somebody's gonna have to come out, bring a battery. You can probably pay four times more for that battery when they bring it out and deliver it and hook it up for you and all that. Now, not only that, but weak batteries do a lot of other things. They do. In other words, the battery is weak, so what's happening is the alternator is sort of deep cycling. It is Battery's going down, alternators kicking wide open, trying to keep that battery up and running, which puts a tremendous strain on the alternator in an already very hot environment. Mm-hmm. So the alternator is already sort of compromised because of the high temperatures. Now it's having to try to charge a weak compromised battery. So it's working that much harder. Sure. Now it may not fail right then. It may fail next year, but the damage was done with the weak battery during the scorching hot summer. Right. And the two never get related. Well, no, they just say, well, my alternator went out. Well, what happened is that the winding got so hot that painted on insulation started flaking off. It took a while before two wires rubbed together and shorted out. All the bearing boiled all the oil out of it because it got so hot. Took a while for it it to literally fail and come apart. But many, many times these things don't get related. Another thing is starter failure because the starter will still crank the car at probably 10 volts and you won't really notice much difference. It'll crank it at eight volts. You may hear it. A little slower, down, yeah, but it'll still crank that car, particularly if the engine's hot and the oil is real thin and there's not much drain on it. But it does take a toll on that star running at low voltage because it's, not, right, it's designed to run at 12 and a half, 13 volts, and you're running it at 11, so it's going to take a toll on many components in the car. I mean, it can technically damage computers and everything else. Sure, an engine computer is designed well. Any computer on the Anything. vehicle is designed to run
1: between 12 and 13 volts. That right. is what it's designed to do. So mm-hmm. when it sees a lower voltage, it mm-hmm. doesn't know what to do with it sometimes, and it may throw a check engine light. or There's all kind of weird things that a, a computer will do when it doesn't have the right voltage.
0: Right. Two places where we see that show up a lot, number one is on ABS lights. For whatever reason, the anti-lock brake computer seems to be a little more sensitive than some of the others, and it starts throwing out anti-lock brake codes, and that's just one of the things. There's lots and lots more. Uh-huh. We're going to go ahead and catch a phone call here. We'll be talking about that a lot more in just a bit. We've got Steve online. Good morning, Steve. Morning. Yes, sir.
2: I got an 06 silver router.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yesterday, I had gone to the doctor and went inside for just about five minutes and mm-hmm. came back out and turned the key, and it was just nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. no, no grinding. Dead any, any, a hammer. <laughs> yeah. I open the hood and said the cable's on the battery. They're real tight. But the battery's not even a year old yet. Mm-hmm. So, slammed the hood, got back in, turned the key, the thing cranked up, and it's been running right ever since. I don't know what's going on with that. You ever heard
0: of that? Happen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that and a lot of other things like it. Steve, how many miles you got on the truck?
2: 63.
0: Yeah, lower uh-huh. miles. Yeah. There are a couple of things. One is the cable that runs from the battery over to the power center. Uh-huh. That cable gets loose at the power center sometimes. Oh. Uh-huh. Also, acid can wick up that cable. When that cable goes down... It will not energize the solenoid, so it will do absolutely nothing. It won't click. It won't do anything uh-huh. at all. That's one possible thing. Another thing is, you said it was an 06 model? Right. Do you know if you got a Group 78 battery or a Group 48 side terminal? Yes. Yeah, side yeah terminal. okay, side terminal. Check those side terminals and make sure they're good and tight. When I say good and tight, if you grab that cable by hand, and I don't mean yank on it, but if you try, you should not be able to move those cables at all, no, okay. none at all. If you can move the cables, they're too loose. They're too loose, and you I'm can always be, scared to strip that bolt. Yeah, <laughs> well, it, it's a little five bolt, and it is torqued into lead, so you do have to be a little uh, can. We have a torque wrench and a special little socket that does that, but uh, they got to be tight enough to where they can't move. Now, another thing, a lot of those are going to have on the positive terminal, you can have two terminals there, know, you got two cables, and there's a little lead spacer between those two on a lot of them. Uh, and have that okay may not have it on that year model but make sure those cables are good and tight if the cables are good and tight and everything else is good chances are this your starter may be going out on you i've seen starters do that on chevy trucks just very intermittent we had one guy it did it it did not do it again for six months six Uh, months later it did it it didn't do it again for six months hmm. and then it started doing it about once every two months and then it got to be once a month and then it got to be once a week and then of course then we could catch it Right. And we ended up replacing starter and never did it again. But it just had a bad spot in that starter, and it was very, very, very intermittent.
3: All righty. Well, that's, that eases my mind. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I,
0: I tell you, Steve, if you're fairly handy and you got a voltmeter, what you can do the next time it occurs is take your voltmeter and go down to that big terminal on top of the starter and uh-huh. put the red one on there and put the black one to ground and see if you got 12.5 volts right there. And if you don't, then you're more likely going to be into some kind of a cable problem or, or a battery problem or something like that. Now, if you and got 12.5 volts right there, then more likely you're going to be into the starter itself. Okay. And if you're real handy, you can go to the little terminal on the side, put your voltmeter there, and put it on ground, turn the key, and see if you and got 12.5 volts across the solenoid. Now, All if you've right. you got 12.5 across solenoid, 12.5 on the big wire, then you're into the starter.
2: Yeah. Okay. All righty. Well, I so sure appreciate
3: it. Okay, man. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Steve. Bye-bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is a number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we were talking just a second ago about computers and how low voltage can affect them. Of course, we talked about the anti lock brake computer. Right. Another one is that people hardly ever relate, and that is the temperature control computer. Okay, can really really flip out, and it can cause some really weird problems. For instance, a lot of the vehicles that have the automatic temperature control, what will happen is it may start blowing hot air when it's supposed to be blowing cold air. Uh-huh. Or it may start blowing out defrost instead of in the vent. And the reason it does that is that whenever you turn the key to on, those little servo motors under the dash kind of go to one extent, go back to the other extent, and then go halfway. And that's how they find their home position. And if when you're cranking the car, it's doing that, and the voltage drops below the threshold. Right. Wherever it stopped, that was its farthest
1: reach. Right. So when it comes back, it's not making the full swing. And when it goes to, to find its home position, it's got a skewed reading, and that's why the door That's right, and it, it
0: doesn't have its full 12.5-volt reference, so it gets confused, and it can do some really weird oh, stuff. Yeah. I've seen a ton of money spent trying to fix that problem, and it's a weak battery. A battery. Yep. <laughs> hey, take a quick little break and be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Man, I had a bad dream the other night
4: Oh, me too I was abducted by aliens But they weren't little green men They looked more like a cross between a chicken and a gremlin Like the 80s movie? Yeah, so they take me up to this spaceship And onto this theater stage And in the audience sits all the cats of my ex-girlfriends And they're just sitting there, judging me Even Mr. Piddles, who I actually kind of liked Oh, uh, what was your dream? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at AGCO and my car broke down. Now that's scary. Hey, at AGCO Automotive, we know it's hard to keep up with maintenance. What do I do at 15,000 miles? What do I do at 75? We recommend an annual general inspection. Just pick a month and bring in the vehicle. We'll give it the once-over and can recommend any maintenance you may need before something causes bigger problems down the road. So did they take you to their leader? No, they made me watch a cat video reenactment of Steel Magnolias. It was horrible. Schedule your general inspection today at AGCO Automotive. AGCO, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Terry. We sure appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. And if you get the time, why don't you give us a call. It's 291-6901. We really appreciate hearing from you and that's exactly what Michael did. Good morning, Michael.
2: Good morning, fellas. This is kind of a follow-up call, a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago. Okay. A 96 Chevy pickup with a real bad, spongy brake pedal. Yes, uh-huh. uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Almost like a terrible, classic master selling the kind mm-hmm. of thing where it right. down. What I wound up doing on this thing was, and I thought about doing it, I just didn't know where to do it, but one afternoon when it was, good and rainy and my uh-huh. i live in a quiet neighborhood right. i just went down there and just jammed that pedal a few times to make that right uh, i like brake sorry, cycle uh-huh. right and did that five six times and by god it cleared it up i got great pedals yeah well, i mean then they happen great. again yeah well but, you probably
0: uh, had air trapped in that abs unit or, uh, or some trash even yeah you know if, if exactly. one of the dump valves opens what it'll do is it'll dump fluid back to the accumulator so it's just like a it'll just keep going down the floor on you
2: yeah well that's what it's Mm -hmm. I figured y'all probably might make heads or
0: tails of that. Yeah, yeah. well, in the shop, we have the luxury of having a scan tool so we can sit there and cycle those valves manually (laughs) while we're flushing (laughs) it. But, of course, the average person doesn't have all that. But yeah, We've seen a lot of people do that, and I've actually advised people to do that where take it, find like a gravel drive or something where you can lock them up pretty easily and let it cycle itself, and sometimes it will clear them up. We've had to do that in the shop once or twice in the last
1: year or so. Mm -hmm take one out after we've bled it and cycled it with the scan tool, take it out and put it into an anti-lock situation. Uh-huh. And a lot of times it clears right up. Yeah, what happens with all that
0: antilock stuff is it sits idle for for months, if, if not years right, at a time. Right. It just never moves. It all sits there. So it's aluminum block with steel pistons with a corrosive liquid around it so it can easily stick or <laughs> bind or yeah, whatever yep. so yeah it's, it's one of those systems in fact a lot of the newer stuff when you start the car all of our Al cycle which kind of helps prevent that they just automatically cycle themselves right. the only thing is if you notice if you got your foot on the brake pedal on some of the newer cars when you start the pedal you actually, kind of drop yeah, down you uh-huh. actually feel it. it's just doing this little thing you know yeah. but been a long time since I had a new car. Hey, yeah, I And that's right, probably not you. any reason to buy one either.
5: Yeah. yeah, right. I thought that might be the end of this truck as well.
4: <laughs> right. All right,
0: thank you. Paul. All right, Michael. All right, thank you, man. man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All one sixty nine oh one is the number. If you're only part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we were talking just a little bit about the heat and uh-huh. some of the things it that it kills and so on as that. And, of course, we're talking about batteries in general, but you know, everything uh, has the same thing. And I've always found... Probably the smartest thing to do is most batteries. If you look on the internet or anywhere, just type in "average age of a battery" car uh-huh. battery, and average age of a battery across the United States is about thirty-six months. Right. That's comes from tons and tons and tons of data. About three years is the life of a battery, and probably slightly less in the south because it's really hot. Mm-hmm. And so, what I like to do is that when my battery approaches three years old, I just change it. Right. You know, I'm an odds player. I know the battery's going to die anyway. So let's say I've got a fairly expensive battery. It costs $120. Okay. Well, it just costs me $40 a year to start my car. Now, if I push that out to four years, if I run the risk, push it out four years, well, it costs me $30 a year to to start the car. So I save 10 bucks. You know, (laughs) it's just not worth it to me to be broke down one time because when I get in my car and hit that key, I want it to start. Sure. Don't want to be stranded anywhere. Don't want to have to buy an alternator. Don't want to have to buy a starter.
1: And you think about getting stranded. You know, at very least, you're inconvenienced. Mm-hmm. You have to get in and get somebody to either bring you a battery or get in a car and go get a battery. Where let's no telling what you got to pay for a battery because it's Sunday
0: afternoon, about six o'clock in the evening. Right. It may be Monday morning before you can buy a battery. That's right a decent battery yeah and then you may miss work you may miss your daughter's wedding who knows who what knows? yeah exactly well and not only that now you've lost all the memory and stuff in the car so you got all the contingent problems with that trying to get it to idle right again if it throttle yeah. body's a little dirty it was idling fine before but now it won't idle and not only that
1: inspections so fairly d- close to due. so you got to relearn all the readiness tests before you can get a new inspection that's right sticker. and
0: a lot of the cars now your power windows and all the quit work right the sunroof the, roof, goes the dead. power window mm-hmm. all that uh, has all to be that, relearned right And don't even think about it. You got some of the European cars. Oh man, it may cost you three hundred dollars to reset all those sensors. Exactly. (laughs) Let's go back to our phone lines, John. Good morning, John. Good morning, guys. How
6: y'all doing? Doing Doing great, great, sir. Well, listen, it's funny you're talking about a battery, because that's exactly the issue I'm talking about this morning. <laughs> All right. I got a, an 03 Chevy Silverado Z71 with the 5.3 Vortec in it. Okay. Right. 260,000 miles, runs like a charm. Mm-hmm. I had a battery issue Friday morning. Just got in the truck, and it wouldn't start. So I uh, jumped it off and got to work and had somebody drop a battery off at work and uh-huh. went ahead and changed it out there. And then when I left yesterday evening, I've got the dual air control, but it's manual, not auto. Right. The right side is blowing super hot, and the left side is blowing cold.
0: Mm -hmm.
6: Now, does this have something to do with changing the battery?
0: Could very well be, be. yes, sir. John, if you go to my website and type in the word actuator, it will bring you to an article on that topic, and you'll find a reset procedure in there to reset that. Now, we can reset it with a scan tool, but I would start with that. Now, it is possible that the actuator was going out anyway. and just happened to go bad at that time. However, a lot of times resetting it may get it working right because if it was in its little reset mode when the voltage went low, it could scramble yeah. its brain, and it may continue to do that until it's reset. So it's very okay. simple to do. Just go to my website. I say type that word in, and you'll find an article on it. It shows you how to do it. It's, it's easy to do. Try that first. If it continues to do it, you may have to end up replacing the actuator. And
1: okay yeah because
6: those... i saw a little something on the internet uh, mm-hmm. just a couple of blogs talking about possible reset with a scan tool yes sir and then they had a couple of them that were talking about a way to reset it in the truck but it was with the auto and not with manual because mine doesn't have the auto it has the manual temperature control. you can do
0: it with either one it's, yeah. it's fairly simple okay. yes sir. just read that article and like i said if that doesn't do it then most likely you're going to be into a bad actuary they do go out a good bit and the one on the left usually goes out the most for some reason, but the one on the right, <laughs> it's the same exact actuator. Sometimes right. they go out. The left yeah. one's real super easy to change. The right one's a little harder. It's, you got to take some stuff apart to get to it, but it's not the end of the world. It's not like thousands or anything. It's a few hundred dollars yeah. to fix it.
6: Well, speaking of valves, that was my second question. Mm-hmm. Was I've got what sounds like a tapping valve? Okay, that's just kind of developed here in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Does it little Has- tick, tick, little tick, tick, tick.
1: Does it only do it when it's cold?
6: It does it mostly when it's idling. Temperature? Yeah.
0: Okay. that doesn't it go away cold. when it
6: gets hot? No, no. It doesn't go away when it gets hot.
0: Hmm. Could be a valve. They have had some trouble with the valve, especially with that high of a mileage on it. I'd have to hear the noise to tell you yeah. for sure. What Brian was getting at is there is a very similar noise that gets misdiagnosed all the time on the Chevy trucks, and that is one of the exhaust bolts will break in the manifold, but that yeah. will generally get a lot better when it gets hot because the manifold okay. swells up it's just usually a cold right. type problem and now it does sound like it's coming from the motor it's not coming from inside the truck with you by any chance is it
6: yeah it's coming from the motor and, and when okay. i when i rev the motor it speeds up with <laughs> the motor yeah yeah right. yeah now if i rev it pretty hard now it goes away
0: yeah it probably pumps the oil pressure up high enough to kind of cover it up if okay. it's just a sticking lifter that's not too too big a deal they've had a little bit of trouble with the rocker arms wearing out on those trucks which can also cause that which can turn into a much bigger deal I yeah. would probably take it to someone, have them pull a valve cover, and diagnose the problem for you. Okay. And Because, like I said, the rock arms are not that hard to replace if you catch it early. But if you let it go until it gets bad, gets metal all in the oil, it can end up taking the motor out. So, right. okay. you know, it's, it's something you want to catch early if you possibly can. And you might just try to get some of this stuff like Marvel Mystery Oil and just follow the label directions, pour a little bit of that in the crankcase. See, it can't hurt if it makes it better or gets rid of it, then you're home free. It's not going to hurt anything one way or the other. I mean, don't yeah. pour don't pour four quarts in there, obviously. But <laughs> yeah. you know, just follow the instructions. If that doesn't take it out, then you need to take it somewhere and have them check it for you.
6: All right. And so you think it's possibly just a lifter or a rocker arm? Could be arm, a then? lifter.
0: Could be a rocker arm. Could it's a, even possible the camshaft lobes will yeah. wear out on those engines, which is a big, big, yeah. big deal. If it yeah. was something like a cam lobe worn out, I'd probably start looking at another motor if you want to keep the truck. Because yeah. you know, oh, yeah. when the lobe wears out, metal goes throughout the whole engine. you got 260K on it, and that is a huge job. The heads have to come off and everything to get the cam out of it. So Ooh, it, okay. it wouldn't be worth repairing it. It would be better just to put a fresh motor in there, and then you could probably get another 250,000 miles out of it.
6: Yeah, like a crate motor or something like yeah, that. Yeah, a GM
0: yeah. motor. That's what we do. We just buy a GM motor and put in them. It comes with a hundred thousand mile warranty. And yeah. it's, it's expensive, but it's a lot less than a new truck, and it's just about yeah. as good. So.
6: <laughs> yeah, and I love my truck, man. Oh, yeah. That Chevy's been just you know killer good. Those Split. were some
0: of the best trucks yeah. they ever built. I've got an O2, and I mean, I will keep it. I'll probably keep it another 30 years if I live that long.
6: Yeah, well, thank you guys okay. so much, and I enjoy listening to you guys. All right, thanks, John. Thank you.
0: Bye-bye. All right, bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you're on part of the Automotive I We'd love to have you. And we we're talking about batteries and all that stuff. And certainly, that is one of those things that people can do themselves. Sure, it If it is done properly. It's best if you can hook up a jumper battery across the terminals so that you don't lose all your memory when you do it. But even let's say the battery goes dead and you have to change it, you really don't have too much to lose then. I mean, no. disconnect no, it's it, dead. it. It's already yeah, you've already lost everything that was going right. to get lost. But that's one of those things. You know, we always try to talk about things people can do themselves, and that's one of those things that you can do yourself. Well, you can do yourself just a whole big old favor because you're heading off a problem. You're not sure. waiting for a problem to occur. You're doing something proactively to prevent a problem that was going to occur otherwise. Right, and save you a whole lot of trouble when it does. That's right. And like I said, three years is about the outside life on the battery. So you approaching three years, just go ahead and plan on taking care of that before you have an issue with it. Exactly. Hey, we're going to take one more quick little break. Jimmy, hang on. You'll be straight up after the break. I had a bad dream the other night Can't be worse than mine
6: I was buried up to my neck in the desert Surrounded by an army of prairie dogs And their leader rides up Rides? Yep, it's Yule Brenner And he orders me to eat this huge mound of candy corn So all the prairie dogs line up And feed it to me piece by piece I'll never look at that Halloween confectionery the same
0: again. What about you? Well, I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection
4: at ADCO and my car left me stranded on I-10. Now that's scary. AGCO Automotive is here with the best way to keep up with car maintenance. Get our annual general inspection. You pick the month, we check out your vehicle and recommend any maintenance you may need, which can save you costly repairs down the road. That was a freaky dream. Were you on medication or did you eat anything strange?
6: Uh, yeah. I actually ate a whole bag of candy corn left over from
4: Halloween. 2014. Oh. Schedule your general inspection today at AGCO Automotive. AGCO, it's the place to go.
5: To Don't mind it, cause the
4: man with the hey, welcome to back. The if just your joining us, is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host,
0: Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go and give us a call, 291-6901. And that's what Jimmy did. Good morning, Jimmy.
5: Hey, good morning. Thank you all for taking my call, guys. I really enjoy your radio. Program well, thank you. I just, thank you. Uh, I've, I've got a 94 S10 Blazer. Mm-hmm. Air conditioning problems. Now, this has been converted over from R twelve to one thirty four. Okay. Can you give me some trick? The amount that goes in isn't it different than the, what it costs for? No, R12? it would be the
0: same amount by volume or by weight. By it's weight. not just not going to cool as well as the R twelve system did. Jimmy, I tell you the truth. Personally, I don't ever convert them. I always put the R twelve back in them. I mean, you can still buy all the R twelve you want. You just got to pay for yeah, it. You but know, you pay yeah, but
5: you got to pay dearly. Yeah,
0: it's yeah. About, well. It's about thirty bucks a pound, and you figure it's going to hold by two pounds. you talking sixty bucks. It ain't. The end of the world for something that's going to work the problem with the 134a is number one the molecules are smaller and when you got a system that was designed for that it's got nylon barrier hoses instead of rubber hoses like you got it has a different condenser it has a different compressor it has everything is different it's made to work with it not only that but the system's about a half ton heavier than the system you got so when you convert it over, you're going to lose about 10% of your cooling, which if you live in Minnesota, that's fine. But if you live in South Louisiana... You need all you can get. Yeah, it, it just... In my experience, it just doesn't work well. They always leak. The compressors keep going out on them. They just don't cool very well. Now, all that being said, if you got it charged the proper amount by weight, it's going to do what it's going to do. What kind of problem are you having with it particular, Jimmy? Well, it's
5: just not really, really cool like uh, like it used to be. Well,
0: it, yeah, it ain't, yeah, it's not going to be. Like I said, it's going to be 10% less, but... You know, if you charge it by watching the gauges, you're going to be completely wrong. Charging ain't going to even be close. What you got to do is evacuate the system, measure the amount by weight, and put it in there. And then you'll be close as far as your capacity goes. Now, right. if it's properly charged and it's just not cooling right, the only other thing that's going to make a fairly appreciable difference would be to put the right condenser on it. If you got an R12 condenser, it doesn't have nearly as many passes in it as a 134A condenser has. So, if you change your condenser, you're going to get some extra cooling. Beyond that, it's just a matter of putting it back to R12.
5: Yeah, I'm just stuck with a 94 S10 blazer,
0: huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. No, it's, 60 it's bucks true. on R12 and fix it. I mean, yeah. you know, how hard is that? You know? That's
5: right. That's right. Look, y'all remind me of something. That battery went out on me on the ferry the other day. Oh Couldn't Lord! The, the battery was less than two years old. Yeah, that did
0: yeah, not. die. Well, like I said three years is an average, and some yeah. make four. That means a lot of them die too.
5: <laughs> that's right. I mean, cranked up good in the parking lot. Uh-huh. Got on the ferry, tried to get off. No start. Wouldn't. I oh, mean, I know. I, yeah. I guess a plate. It must have hit a bump or something. They do something. that, yeah.
0: man. Sometimes you know, some of them will drag out, like just like people. Some of them drag out. Some of them just keel over dead. Okay. You know, same thing with All batteries.
5: Right. Oh, let me hold you. up. Thank All you right, for calling, man. Appreciate Thanks, man. Bye, bye.
0: All right, two nine one sixty nine oh one is the number. If you're going part of the automotive I we'd love to have you. And we got Mark online. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Lewis. Thank yes, you
7: for answering my question last week. That was that was quite interesting. Well, the, thank you. Uh, servicing talk. Yeah, so I've got a, a diesel Passat. It's got 138,000 miles on it, uh-huh. and it recently started running rough first thing in the morning when it's cold. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, when I first turn it on, it's fine. It's only when I move a really short distance, like two or three car lengths, and mm-hmm. it just starts running rough. There's sort of like a bang every two or three seconds, or sometimes it even stalls. I was wondering if you had any ideas what that might be.
0: Boy, Mark, that's a little out of my field. I just don't work on a lot of European, or any european cars and very few diesels but it almost sounds like maybe you've got some clogged injectors on it that would certainly do that someone right. could, could do a fuel pressure test and tell you that locally and just for people who don't know wh- where are you calling from mark london UK. <laughs> wow, <laughs> there you go that's great i knew that because i remembered the email. <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> there you go but
0: have someone do a bleed down test on the injectors and see it almost sounds to me like maybe clogged injectors. Yeah. You could have possibly gotten some bad fuel.
7: I mean what I've read about these cars is it can be the injector wiring loom can cause similar symptoms because apparently it's right on the cylinder head. That would that would make sense
0: as well because if the signal doesn't get to the injector, it doesn't know whether it's opening or it's not being commanded to open. So that would do exactly the same thing. So you're exactly right. It could very well be that loom as well.
7: Yeah, I mean, what's weird? Is I get no error codes, no check engine light, even though it seems like it's misfiring. I don't know. Maybe it's just well, and see, a diesel is a little bit things. different.
0: Yeah, it's not like a gasoline engine where the check engine light really has a lot of things on it—oxygen sensors and all that stuff—that can detect that. See, with a diesel, you have a lot less right, sensors right. and all because it's a lot simpler design. It may just not catch it. But I wish I could be more help. But like I said, I'm I'm not a European vehicle guy, and well, I, no, I know even less about diesels. <laughs> <laughs> well,
7: no, that's that's useful because next week when the guys come back and tell me, oh, I don't know, seems fine to us, I can say, well, did you do a leak down test?
0: And I'll be like, oh, well, well, there I you know. go. Oh, okay, <laughs> there you go. Well, that's great. Hi, right, man. Hi, right, Mark. How's the weather there in yeah, London?
7: Lovely at the moment. It's really, really hot. Yeah, we only get about two weeks of this a year, but I'm enjoying it while it
0: lasts. <laughs> well, there you go. Hey, Mark, thanks for calling, man. All right, love the show. Thanks a lot. Thanks, sir. Thank bye, bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine oh one. Now, if Mark can call from London, England, there you go. That means you can call from Baton Rouge. <laughs> 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 I started asking what time it was. Nah, there, I thought
1: about it for you. I knows? know
0: it's about six hours difference. I don't remember if it's ahead or behind. I guess it would have to be deep. ahead of us because the sun's going that way. Yeah. So they they would be six hours later than here. I guess it's probably what about four in the afternoon. Something like that? That's 11, almost 11 here, yeah. Yeah. About, about right. If, if somebody can call and correct me if I'm oh, wrong, because I'm, sure. I'm just speculating. Two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number, in 225 anywhere in the United States. If you're in the UK, of course, you got to put a 01 country code in that front is, of that. But, there you uh, go. There you go. That'll get you on in there. Now you have no excuse. That's right. That's right. If Mark can do it. You can do it. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> Let's go back to the phone lines. we got Ron Lyon. Good morning, Ron.
4: Yeah, good morning, Lewis. i uh, listen listening to you all every week, there. Well, thank you. good program. Look, I got a. I think my battery's about two and a half years old, and since I'm retired, every once in a while, about every month, I'll go out there and put my little charge on it yes, just sir. to give it a little charge. And I see it gets about. It, it never goes any higher than eighty-five percent, and it says, it's, you know, it won't take any more charge. Does mm-hmm. that mean it's getting bad? Or?
0: Well, no. It may be that it's just not needing a charge. In other words, it's going to take as much as it needs, right? And then it's going to stop. You can't just keep charging, charging, charging. It's, it's only going to take what it requires. Particularly if you've got a computerized charger of some sort which is the best thing to have right it will size back when it gets to the proper charge okay so it may only need that much charge yeah, yeah not, because
4: yeah sometimes i put it on there and they go up to about 95 and then right then it
0: just needed more at that at that right. time
4: all right i was i, I was wondering what was, if it was going bad or not it's about two and a half years old you yeah. Know? yeah
0: it's probably close well it's either. getting close i mean two and a half years on a battery in south louisiana I, I would change it before three i mean batteries just don't cost that much to where it's worth Risking well, it, you know. Yeah,
4: but does it matter if uh, you know? I got a two uh, two amp, uh, two eight and twelve. Does it matter what you charge it on? I'll say two amp. Uh, you want to trickle charge? It. Or yeah, well, I would yeah. do
0: uh, just a slow charge on it right, because you can't overcharge it. You know, right. you, you can damage a battery by overcharging. Also, yeah, I'd put on just a little trickle charge.
4: All right, well, thank you a lot, man. All right, man, all thanks, right. Ron. Okay, bye, bye.
0: All, all right, right. two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number, and we're going back to the line with Paul. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, gentlemen. How y'all yes, doing? Doing great, sir. Doing
3: great. I have a 2008 Toyota Sienna. Mm-hmm. Got a couple issues with it. I got 120,000 miles on it. I just recently did a full transmission flush with the Toyota Fluid mm-hmm. and added a transmission cooler Okay. and a
0: magnifying filter in line.
3: Am I wasting my money on that kind of stuff?
0: Pretty much. <laughs> I mean,
3: what but, kind of problem
0: are you having with it, Paul? I just want to
3: keep it for a long time. I I don't want to have a transmission problem down the road. You
0: did what you could do by changing the fluid and putting the Toyota brand fluid back in there, but I would just use the regular Toyota filter.
3: And they don't have a replaceable filter. Anymore. Oh, yeah,
0: it does. Okay. Absolutely does. They call it a screen, and right. it's just a filter. None. The Toyota dealers are just way off base with that. They'll tell you there's no filter. They'll tell you it's a screen. It's a regular okay. filter. I've changed millions of them. All righty. But, uh, yeah, you need to change the filter inside because when that filter restricts, you can have as many other filters as you want on lines. It's still right, going to cut the right, pressure right. to the pump, and it's going to damage the transmission. Not hard to change. All you do is drop the pan. It's right there. A couple screws in it. It comes right on off. But I would change okay, well, the filter I, I would inside. Do that. Yes, sir. That would do you more good than anything else you can do. I mean, transmissions pretty much take care of themselves. Right. And a lot of times when they go out, it's either the fluid hasn't been changed, the filter hadn't been changed. And ironically, like our topic today, a lot of electrical problems will take a transmission out. For instance, if you have a bad ground on your battery, and the starter is cranking and pulling 300 amps, and it can't go through those cables, it's going to pull the additional amperage somewhere and pulls it right through that torque converter from the motor, goes right through the transmission, and burns the transmissions up. Uh, In fact, Toyota had a real problem with that a while back on one transmission, and when you bought the replacement transmission, it came with two extra ground straps.
4: But other than
0: that, make sure it's well-grounded, make sure it's clean, just drive it. I mean, they don't have much trouble with the Sienna as far as transmissions go. We, Just we've seen service, them with 250,000 miles on them.
1: Service it in a timely manner. I mean, don't mm-hmm. let it go.
0: I wouldn't let it go what they recommend. I'd probably go half of what they recommend yeah, when you do I a like, service. I like to do them around 50,000 right. miles. I mean, I think they recommend 100, but I like to do 50,000.
3: Well, I did I did a full flush, mm-hmm. 12-4.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, the second question on that same vehicle is steering column not. Okay. It has a, a knock underneath the dash mm-hmm. right? whenever I, I turn. W- what can be done about that?
0: Normally, that is a matter of lubricating the shaft where the two halves slide together. It's got a collapsible shaft on it. So in okay. case you're getting a wreck, the, the column collapses instead of going through your chest. And right. what happens, it gets dry over time. And what you're hearing is that the rack and pinion is attached to the suspension of the car, whereas the column is attached to the body. And those two move slightly independent of each other. And as long as right. the shaft is lubed up and free, it just slips in and out quietly. When okay. that starts to bind, you get that cock cock It feels almost like slack in the column. Right. Now, sometimes if you if it's all lubed up, the little joint, in there, it's like a little U-joint type thing, offset U-joint at the bottom. Those can go bad also, and you'd have to replace that lower shaft. Now, in a rare occasion, I have seen a
1: rack and pinion make that type noise also. It can. It can, but it's, it's not real common.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. All yeah. right. I think I, I saw a uh, service bulletin about lubing those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so we've lubed them and have pretty good there. luck with that. All right. Well, All right. I appreciate it. All right, Paul. Talk.
0: Thanks for calling, right. man. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. We got to take one last little break and we'll be right back. Bruce, David, you guys, hold on. You'll be straight up after this break.
4: Phew. I had a bad dream last night. Girl, me too. I was out on a
3: date with Matthew McConaughey. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. But literally, all he could say was, All right, all right, all right. Still, it's... In auto-tune. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right.
4: Over and over and over. Oh, it was a nightmare. What about you? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at AGCO, which cost me thousands in repair. Now that's scary. AGCO Automotive's general inspection is the best way to make sure your car performs at its peak and you're not surprised by any major repairs. Bring your vehicle in once a year and we'll recommend any maintenance. We can even help decide if it's worth fixing or time for you to purchase another. My dream was scary, but yours was uh all wrong, all wrong, all wrong. <laughs> Okay, are you finished now? Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
0: Well, Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alders president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian, Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we got David's been patiently holding. Good morning, David. Yes, sir. How are y'all? Doing great, Doing sir. Doing great.
6: Good. I have a 1979 CJ5 mm-hmm. with a 350 Chevy Maul block.
1: Okay. And
6: it starts up great, but won't run it around for maybe 10, 15 minutes, and I kill it. And I try to start it up maybe five minutes later, and mm-hmm. it just is really hard to start yes sir mm-hmm. okay and i just don't know what that is that somebody told me it might be vapor lock well or... it might
0: be all kind of stuff david and you go broke before you run out of mites i can tell oh, you yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. if you go on my website and type in hard start in the search bar there's an article on that very topic and okay. it's not particularly your vehicle but it's a general term it'll tell you exactly how to check it the way you can check for a vapor lock is that if you put a fuel pressure gauge on the engine and start it up, get it hot. Your pressure is going to come up like it should. Turn it off and watch that gauge. The gauge should remain right where it's at and then slowly creep down after several minutes. If the pressure starts to rise, and it's going higher than it was when it was running, now you got a vapor lock. Because what's happening, the fuel is boiling in the rail, and it's going to kick okay. the pressure up temporarily. So that's just an easy way to check for that. Now, the okay. pressure almost immediately drops down to zero. got a leak internally in the system. That could be the fuel pressure regulator is leaking back to the fuel tank. It could be the fuel pump check valve is leaking back to the tank. But I would almost bet you it's going to be something like that. Now, what happens with a fuel pressure regulator? And again, since you got a modified vehicle, i got to talk in generalities because I don't know specific how this was set up. But with a fuel pressure regulator, it bleeds the fuel pressure down, which makes it hard to start. But the killer is it bleeds that pressure or that extra gas into the intake manifold, which also floods the engine. so if it sits for a while it'll kind of clear itself up because the gas will evaporate but if you go run it for say 30 minutes cut it off let it sit for 10 minutes come back it's real hard to start yes sir so you're going to start out with a fuel pressure test and see now if the fuel pressure is right you turn it off it drops down like it's supposed to but it holds real good then you can forget the fuel system you got something else i mean you could possibly have some kind of ignition problem or whatever well first thing i do is do a, a starter draw check Mm
5: -hmm.
1: check
0: see how many starters drawing because it could
1: have a hot soak situation right i've had vehicles do that
5: that's on the website
0: yes i think so yeah pretty much yes sir Mm -hmm. okay well no i appreciate y'all's time all right david all right thank you Uh, thanks man bye-bye all right 291-6901 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive iron we're going back to our lives with bruce good morning bruce
2: Good morning. How's it going? Doing
0: great, <laughs> sir. Doing great.
2: Look, just want to got a question I want to answer. Have you all heard anything about a recall on Toyota engines and cameras for oh, yeah. oil consumption? Yeah, they've yeah. had
0: that out for a number of years. It's not a recall, Mr. Bruce. you got to watch the verbiage. A recall is a safety-related item that's mandated by the uh, Highway Traffic Safety Administration. This is not that. This is a warranty extension. What oh. Toyota notices is that they had some of their engines that were burning more oil than they were supposed to, so they extended the warranty out a considerable amount of time, and I don't know the exact limits on it, but I know they are replacing and repairing those engines way, way up there. I mean, 150 or thousand miles a lot of times.
2: Yeah, because a friend of mine has one that uh, had 120, and they overhauled it.
0: Yes, they're really good about that. I think they'd be commended because GM has pretty much the same problem with their engines, and they really won't do much of anything outside of the warranty period.
2: Well, I got a GM truck. I can't say that about it. Mm Mm-hmm. But, and uh, how about a dash recall? Yes, sir. They yeah. have some
0: problems with the dashes okay. cracking in some of them. And, again, it's not a recall. It's a warranty extension.
2: Uh, okay. Well, they
0: – But they will replace the a, dash in a lot of them.
2: I've got an 09 Camry. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, it's the reflection from that dash that you can barely see when the sun's shining directly on you. Yeah.
0: Are you putting anything on that dash, any not overall a, or anything?
2: It's been like that since
0: we got it. No kidding. Hmm. You but, might try. Uh, there are some things you can put on there that will knock that off, more of a, a matte type thing. I think McGuire's makes a dash treatment you can use that will kind of uh, knock that down.
2: Well, uh, you didn't let me finish. Mm-hmm. I got a letter about two years ago mm-hmm. saying that uh, when the parts went, they'd call us. Okay. And there is a God. <laughs> they called I'm going Wednesday to All get right. the dash replaced. Well, well there you go. Great. There you go. Even better. <laughs> But because it is bad. Mm-hmm. Anybody that has one like that can tell you the same thing.
0: I'll be darned. Yeah, we ran across a vehicle the other day. I think it was a Nissan. It was. It was a Nissan and, and Altima, I believe it was. Yeah, that dash was like, almost like gummy bears. It was just soft, well, and you could stick Mine your finger there, in it. Stick it, too. Yeah, yeah, and we had to take dash out anyway to change the evaporator core, and I was scared this thing was going to fall apart when I took it out, so mm-hmm. I called. There was no warranty, no kind of no extension, no nothing, and the mm-hmm. dash was $1,100.
2: Yeah, I so, bet you it's the same people that made both of
0: them. I'm sure. Probably so. Yeah, it's probably got a bad batch of vinyl or something.
2: Yeah, like you say, it's a Chinese company that's <laughs> operating in Mexico. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you, Louis. Hi, right, Bruce. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number you in part of the Automotive iron? We were talking about hot weather and right. how it brings on issues and all. And, of course, another thing that I think folks can do for themselves, and that is change the coolant. In their engine. Correct. And not only can that be a, everybody thinks of antifreeze as a freeze type thing, but it's also an overheat type thing uh-huh. because the water cools, the coolant protects from corrosion. So you don't want to have too much coolant because ironically, with too much coolant, it will overheat. overheat. That's right, because it doesn't have enough water to cool. The proper mixture is normally 50 50 is what's specified by everybody, and that's 50% distilled water and 50 percent coolant unless it's a pre-mix which is already mixed right several of your manufacturers
1: you. have a pre-mix out
0: well it's so critical that people weren't doing it right and so what they've done is they just come out with a pre chemical that just alleviates that problem sure. of course you're paying twice twice amount, as much for the same as much yeah same stuff because the biggest part of antifreeze or a big part of antifreeze is the transportation cost it's right. heavy so when you start shipping it so you're paying to ship water back and forth Because people just won't mix it right. Uh It does eliminate the problem, but at a cost to everybody. But if you're going to change your coolant, just be mindful there is a right way and there's a wrong way. Most definitely. Doing it the wrong way can create more problems than not doing it at all. Exactly. You can create all sorts of issues. We find cooling systems in just absolutely deplorable condition. And ironically, the owner many times said, well, I've serviced that two or three times. Well, but you did it wrong. (laughs) you got to do it right and on my website there are countless articles on coolant there's just if you type in the word coolant it's going to bring up several articles one on how to change it yourself and it goes into how critical it is to get the mixture right Mm -hmm. how to drain the engine block to get more of it out and so on how to do it multiple times if necessary the point is coolant is not just coolant anymore it may be ethylene glycol it may be propylene glycol but that's just the free side the corrosion side is vastly different and there are dozens of different coolant even between the same manufacturer between the same manufacturer many times ford has at least three four? three or four coolants that i know of and putting the wrong one in can set you up for disaster Sure, you can start a corrosion problem that'll basically eat the engine and cooling system away and total your car out gm has been pretty consistent with dex cool since 1996 they've used dex cool right they went from the standard green to the dex cool and they've kind
1: of stuck with it across the line
0: that's right and pretty much all gm products that i'm aware of use the orange dex cool uh-huh. chrysler sometimes uses an orange long life coolant sometimes uses a green coolant and they may even have a third coolant they're just not for sure about that i know ford has three or four different ones Toyota has two coolants in general use. One is the red Long Life, and on the later cars, you have the pink Super Long Life. Which is long Super life. Long Life, right. The Honda, same thing. You have the green coolant on the older ones. The newer ones take a at, blue, a blue and that is an OAT coolant. It's not a silicate or phosphate coolant like the green was. Uh-huh. So those are blue. not compatible one with another. You can't interchange them, Right. and you can't add one to the other because you'll set up a chemical concoction, there, chemical cocktail that who knows what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, and, and really, when you drain the cooling system, you're not getting 100% of that back out. So right. if you mix it, if it gets mixed wrong to go in, you've got a long process to try to get that back level again.
0: Very, very long and very, very tedious, and sometimes with detrimental. Yeah, pretty poor results. What we generally try to do on most cooling systems is we remove the lower radiator hose to ra- drain the radiator. And I just find that's better than trying to take the little petcock out because those are normally plastic, and most times time they've been in there a long time, and very often when you take those out, they they'll, break. they'll break or they just won't seal when you go to put them back in. Right. The only thing about dropping the lower hose is you've got to have a
1: big collection pan. That's right. It makes a big mess if you're not careful. It does different. make a big mess, and it will find a crossmember and run to the other side of the vehicle well, that's and run right. out on the ground. So you got to be prepared to catch a big
0: area. When you do that, right? If you're going to do this kind of stuff yourself, just go ahead and invest in one of those big, big drain pans yes, you can put definitely. under there. Maybe because two of them. You don't want to have that coolant running out, getting into the environment, or getting around any of your pets because antifreeze is toxic. Yes, it is, and has sort of a sweet taste to it, so pets will lap it up and not. Yeah, it does. not do them
1: any good? Believe me, does uh, lots of damage to the kidneys and right. Basically, it, can, it ends can, up can kill a them life
0: pretty pretty fast or hurt them real real bad. So you want to be careful with that stuff. And once you catch it, you need to dispose of it properly. Don't pour it in the drain because that's going to the river or going somewhere it shouldn't be. Go ahead and dispose of it properly. Most I think most auto parts, most auto parts stores will, will take, take it. it, and there are reclamation centers that can take it. Right. The worst case scenario, you bring it to me and I'll get rid of it for you. It just has to be pure antifreeze. You can't have anything mixed with it. Correct. So, we're going to talk some more about that next week because we're just about out of time today. But just things you can do yourself that you can save some money. And as long as you make sure you do it right, you're going to be in good shape. There you go. There you go. And I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to the written reviews and fill it out for us. That's right. If you give us a written review and when people type in the word auto repair, it'll bring them on up close to the top of the rating. So, We'll get more people listening. There we and will. And ask the name of that team. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Priest, was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.